0: I'm Keaton. I'm Laura. And we love stories and talking about stories. So we're looking at the Bible as a story that's filled with real people. And we're hoping that if we um, show the human side of these people in the story, um, that we'll see God as real
1: too. That's right. We want to try to read the Bible with curiosity and maybe let our imagination do more work than it gets to do when we read scripture sometimes. So we're going to start with the question, what did these people eat for breakfast? And we're going to see where it takes us. How did they start their day and how did the rest of the day go? Welcome to The Breakfast Translation. Let my people go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was hoping would happen right (laughs) then. It's like I dreamed it into existence.
0: Manifestation.
1: There you go. Back to our last episode. We should say that we're dealing with crickets in the studio today.
0: We are. It's been incredibly humbling as far as feedback goes. Because
1: You tell a joke, crickets. And then now the crickets have silenced and it feels maybe even a little more insulting. (laughs) We put the
0: crickets to sleep. That's right.
1: (laughs) That's our special skill. So, um, well, we're talking about an exciting story, though. Yes. This is epic. Of all epics.
0: It, I can't believe it when you're reading it, if it's for the first time, it just keeps going on and on. You're like another twist. Oh,
1: yeah. Twist and turns. Another thing. Giant happenings. Mm-hmm. The whole world does kind of turn around on this story. Like huge things that, that are part of our reality now can trace themselves back to this story. Uh, So whether or not the Ten Commandments are posted in courtrooms goes back to this story. The idea of an exodus and people being free instead of enslaved uh, goes back to this story. Um, There's little phrases like we talk about the burning bush or whatever that goes back to to Moses and his story, the serpent and the staff, all these images that have kind of become part of our vernacular uh, all go back to this Moses story. And it makes sense that it's been the subject of Hollywood movies, even.
0: Right. Because the plot is wild. Yes.
1: Uh, So have you ever seen that? Have you seen any of those? Like I think of the um, it used to show on Easter when I was a little kid until they started showing Sound of Music instead, which I was kind of more of a fan of Sound of Music. But every Easter they would show the Charleston Heston, the Ten Commandments. Did you ever see that one?
0: I don't remember. I definitely saw a story depicted of Moses, but I was much more of a Prince of Egypt, the cartoon. Oh, gal. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that, I only remember the Prince of Egypt because of the Mariah Carey Whitney Houston collaboration. <laughs> <That> <laughs> it's <I> remember, memorable. <laughs> as a 90s kid, it blew my mind uh-huh. that Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, these two voices that I loved so much, were going to be in the same song. Mm-hmm. Just kind of made my brain and my throat explode a little bit trying to sing like them and not being able to.
0: Yeah, they can't, they got uh, some range, don't they? Oh, yeah.
1: And it was just like, <laughs> You know, the fact that they were joining forces right. was like
0: double, double range. Yeah.
1: Batman and Spider Man in mm-hmm. the same uh, universe or whatever. So, um, What did you, what was your impressions of the Prince of Egypt? Was it a favorite?
0: Yes. I remember my brother and I really loving it. I didn't really associate it as a Bible story, to be honest, because it was so, it just seems so wild and self-contained in and of itself. But I just remember it being kind of like a spookier thing that I saw earlier (laughs) on because Moses is in the river um, as a baby. There's crocodiles chomp. They didn't avoid acting like it was like a peaceful little trip and there was the violence and it was in a cartoon and it was just something that kind of stood out against other, other things that I was able to watch when I was around that age of like, I don't know, seven years old. Yeah.
1: Well, cause it, Moses' story really does have everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it has all kinds of darkness, like right. things that I think if we really look at them should cause loads of questions, like right. what is God up to, you know, what does it mean to believe in God? Cause you even have this. This line about the Pharaoh's heart being hardened, you know, mm-hmm. like this idea that God is orchestrating everything, whether it's all these people moving to freedom and the seas parting so that they can be free. But that also means that God is causing the water to fall on the Egyptian soldiers. Right. Absolutely, so you have God causing both the freedom and the plagues.
0: Yeah. It, it blew my mind when I was younger and rereading the story. I I know I mentioned earlier in this series that I'm trying to set it down and read, read as a story and suicide, yeah. but this is one of the ones where I struggle with as a, yeah. as a Christian to be like, what, what is going on yeah. here?
1: Yeah. You want to get down to it. And mm-hmm. I think those are good. I believe in the power of those good questions that mm-hmm. we should ask them forever. And I also just, I love that that's our text that the text doesn't say, now, by the way, here's all the easy answers to why this happened. It just says it happened. It does. You right. know, I remember um, this was from an, an Old Testament class, I think, like a, an Old Testament theology class. And it, it was actually talking about the Ten Commandments, right? Because we're going to have, in, as a part of Moses' story, is that he's the bringer of the top ten things <laughs> to do and not do, right? This giant moment of covenant, going back to what we talked about in the Abraham episode, that you almost have a renewed covenant between um, the people and God through Moses. And part of that is these 10 commandments. And I remember being in a class where the professor was talking about, you know, those first couple commandments about not having any God other than God, that in sort of the ancient divine systems or in these, these ancient systems of who they thought a God might be, they would often have like multiple gods. And that way, if it's the God of rain, that's a different God than the God of sun.
0: Right. So you can kind of disassociate those things yep. from being all intertwined under one so, umbrella. Yeah.
1: So if, a, if you had a drought, you would think, oh, well, the gods must be battling over this. It's mm-hmm. um, so like in good times or bad times, you could kind of blame that on the battle of the gods and on one God having more power than the other God. But when God says... There is no other God, but me. It is as if God is taking it on God's self. Mm-hmm. Right? I am responsible for Rain all of things. I am who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that that is a, that is God like inviting us to put it all on God, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, and that that was such a different thing because it is kind of easier to place blame or to make sense Of like, especially like they had all these fertility gods, right? So if you pray to the right fertility God, then your, your family would continue and you would have children. But what we've seen in some of the stories, and we're going to have even more stories like this, right? Where the women are hoping that they'll have a baby and whether that happens or not, it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the only God that they could give credit or blame to about that.
0: Right. Like it's it feels like it would be more complicated to have more gods, but it almost simplifies who, like it simplifies having the um who to who to blame or who to praise versus yeah. over something rather than having one person responsible for a lot of nuance.
1: Right, cuz if you're angry, you could just pick the god that you're mad at.
0: Right, and then you'd have a whole series of other gods to not be mad at.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and especially, you know, when you think about how just think about the skies, right? Like a sunny day versus a cloudy day or a stormy day, right? You can just think, well, the gods are battling and it doesn't have to do with you. Right. But in this situation, it can feel personal in a way that it didn't before. Um, if your town is in a drought for months and months. So uh I I think the story of Moses, especially because of all the twists and turns, because of the epic nature of it, like there's a reason it's a good movie, but there's also a reason it's It's very good conversation fodder for who we think God is. Uh, So let's look at just the highlights, right? What did you learn from Prince of Egypt? I mean, you noticed, you said a couple things already, right? There's this moment when he's a baby, right? Where his mom, there's been this decree, this idea, right? (laughs) We've heard uh, even in our own world, this happens sometimes where a king or a ruler or a president will say, we have enough of this kind of person. And so the Pharaoh kind of says, we have enough Hebrew children. And doesn't want the Hebrew people to make any more kids. Which, remember, the promise of God is that they're going to have all these kids. Right. And So the Pharaoh is working against.
0: Yeah. Like a very um, straight up antagonist to this concept.
1: Yeah. So they understand that their calling in the world is to make more and more Hebrew kids. And the Pharaoh is working against this. And so Jacob has Moses and releases him down the river this very dramatic, uh, moment. He ends up in the service of the Pharaoh, which I think Prince of Egypt really highlights that tension mm-hmm. that he would have felt has a Hebrew boy growing up in the home of the Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Um, that he would have had some privilege. He probably would have been educated because of that. Right. He would have seen how power works and he understands
0: the people that we will like eventually have to confront in a very strong way.
1: Yeah. He really, he, it is like a, for such a time as this kind of moment where he is the perfect person to be in that situation. Um, and that's, that's a part of his conversation with God, right? Because eventually he gets called into this role. Um, he actually has conversations with God and, you know, we're going to talk, I think at the end of the podcast about the character of God, what does God have for breakfast? Mm-hmm. So hold on to your seats for that. Cause we have forgot a, that I was supposed to be brainstorming. Yeah, we gotta have a big answer for that. But you know, Moses has direct conversation with God where they talk back and forth and where Moses says, I don't know if I'm worthy of this. And where Moses demands to know more of who God is, right? And so you have these moments. That we should say there's also a moment in Moses' life where he kills an Egyptian, right? Who's attacking a Hebrew man? Um So we know, again, we don't have perfect heroes. And we never have. Right. (laughs) And there's layers to that. So Moses is on the run when he ends up being called by God, where he has this big moment where God says, I am who I am. Um, Which there's a whole lot that goes into like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, My favorite explanation of that is that it's, you know, we kind of say the, the word Yahweh, it's kind of our, there's a whole bunch of stuff about the, the Hebrew letters that, that sentence structure and what that means and all that. But my favorite sort of simple explanation is that it's almost the sound of an inhale and exhale.
0: Yahweh. That it
1: is as if God is saying, I'm, I'm breath, I'm breath. I'm all the things. Um, And there's a whole lot like to that. Right. Uh, But that God who, who is who it, he is, uh, empowers Moses. And so you have this whole Exodus narrative that builds up all this tension with the plagues. What are all the... Pla- the They got the frogs. There's bugs. There's bugs. There's Isn't locusts. The river turns to blood. The river turns to blood. There's the the death of the firstborn. Yeah, that's which heavy. Which is horrible. Yeah. Right. And the Hebrew people are saved by that. That's where we get the Passover story. Right,
0: because you put the blood of the
1: lamb they above put, your door and
0: it made the, meant the angel of death passed...
1: You you really remember a lot from that Prince of Egypt. Prince
0: of Egypt rocked.
1: (laughs) I don't think all that was in the Mariah Whitney song. I don't (laughs) think they were quite able to capture the the layers of that. But yeah, you have all these bizarre things, all just to force the hand of Pharaoh. Right? Let my people go. You want to sing that?
0: Let my people go. (laughs) I I got country there. (laughs) Did you ever learn
1: the Louis Louis? Did you ever do that one? (laughs) No. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Oh, oh I'll let my people go huh.
0: yes yeah and you do like yeah. a little knee oh yeah you hand actually
1: like some some hand signals mm-hmm. and some yeah I don't think huh. I ever
0: did it but I think I made fun of somebody me. who had was to do it, it it was might have been I'm sorry
1: <laughs> yeah I, I was think that then. was a, a lot of times in church we also <laughs> sang amazing grace to the tune of Gilligan's Island we did a lot of really cool things um <laughs> but Yeah. So here you have this moment, right? The let my people go moment that all kidding aside becomes like, I don't even know what you would call it, but it becomes this working metaphor for the rest of history of, of God leading people out of slavery. So even that let my people go song ends up becoming a refrain in American slavery and in the, the spirituals, um, this picture of a God who ultimately wants freedom for people, um, it, it's almost like buried in the DNA of people, right? This sense that God wants us in freedom and not in chains. And um, Moses is a part of all that. And he leads the people out of slavery, across the Red Sea, away from the soldiers, away from Egypt, back towards like still in search of this promised land that God promised Abraham. So now we're a couple of generations from Abraham's story. It's just been a couple of weeks on our podcast, but this is probably we're a very longer effective. period of time. Yeah, we're moving fast. Um, and so Moses becomes this political leader, a spiritual leader. He becomes this, he speaks to God for the pe- the prophets, the people. Um, he He becomes this almost, he becomes like a model for pastors, priests, prophets, like he becomes every man uh, in the story and in a lot of ways. So what do we think a guy like that, who's a part of an epic story like this, what does he have for breakfast?
0: Yeah, I got so overwhelmed when I was thinking through this because there's so many different versions of life that he experiences. I mean, from living in a um, super high class location that he was not necessarily um, supposed to be in from being, um,
1: he knows what it's like to have like lobster for, yeah, yeah, he knows what it's like to have lobster for breakfast and to
0: know that he can't take that for granted too. Yeah. Great. So I just really, and then, I mean, and then from wandering, like there's just so many different iterations of his life that I couldn't figure out what to, what to say.
1: Well, and I can't remember if it's in Moses's story or if it's just in the wandering, but you also have this dramatic story where The Hebrew people just get manna from the sky, right? When they run out of food, God provides them with this kind of food from the sky, like something that's like a basic, I always think it's like rice cakes. (laughs) I don't think that's really what it is, but just kind of a basic bland food (laughs) that they eventually get tired of. Um, I thought of him as that he's got to do a power bar. Because he's doing so so much to do. Yeah. Well, and that is kind of the interesting part about Moses is that in his conversations with God... He is often expressing like a humility, like I'm not up for this. So there's something that when he's in conversations with this voice from the sky, you know, God is trying to empower Moses. Um, So I think that's why I thought he's got to get a get power by breakfast. breakfast. Yeah, that, that kind of artificial jump you get from thinking you ate something that makes you stronger in the morning. Mm, so it's
0: like the kind that has 15 grams of protein. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to say one of my favorite things about Moses, and this is where it's like, did Moses actually do this or was this, like when people were looking back, re- rewriting the story, did they add in songs? Because every once in a while in the narrative, Moses pulls a Mariah Whitney. <laughs> Where he bursts into song. It's the musical. Yeah, it does get Moses musical. The musical. There's a song from him. I think there's also a song from uh, Miriam, his sister. Um, these moments where it's like history can't contain this. We need to set it to music. And so it's so monumental. Either they, they did break into song. They were like, wrote a song about it. Like, here, here, go. Right. They had mm-hmm. to do it. Or in looking back at it they had to add music to it because it just couldn't be contained in just the story.
0: Right. I know that's a historical practice of um, turning something to song in order to show its significance. And it's how like at a level of um, sacred. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That they were like, we have to remember this. So let's set it to, to music. Now, speaking of memory, I I think when you look at this epic, one of the things that kind of, you know, we always try to get back around eventually to what's the invitation to us. And when, I think when you read a story like Moses, it's like, could we ever, what are we going to do? That's like Moses, right? We, we almost have the Moses reaction. <laughs> like, like
0: I'm not, yeah, I'm not I can't do this. that.
1: Yeah. Um, but where I kind of relate to this is that when you look at the people of God, they are super forgetful. Mm. And then Moses has to constantly remind them of who they are and whose they are. Um, we see there's part of the story is this moment where they take all their jewelry and they make a golden calf and they worship like a false God. And Moses has to be the one to like show them who God really is. And that both Moses and the people will have these moments of clarity of like seeing reality for what it is, of seeing that God loves freedom, of seeing that God loves them, of seeing that God can empower them and do these big, bold, wild things. But they can't remember it for very long. <laughs> like it seems like. So I, I wondered for us is there something where it's like, oh, I've seen that this is possible? but I can only remember it for so long. Have you ever mm-hmm. had anything like that that comes to
0: mind? Something that I know I tend to do is I will, I pray for, for strength and asking God for things all the time. So whether or not it's like prayer for something, like a big speech that I have to give or a race that I want to go well or prayer for healing for um, a loved one, I will pray for it. And then should that thing turn out in a positive way, I will not pray to say thank you. Yeah. You know, We're like, like oh, I, I'll, I'll ask, I did really good then, there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So I'll ask for the strength and I'll, I'll look beyond myself. And yeah. then once the thing is a success, then I don't remember to say, I, I, I don't know. I just will ask yeah. more than I will praise yeah. and glorify, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good, I think we could all stand to say, thank you. Like pray. <laughs> thank you a lot more. Um, and to just recognize, Oh, I asked God to be with me.
0: And he's here. And God was with
1: me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I, I feel like I have had moments of not quite like magic or perfect provision, not like where I asked for a hundred dollars and a hundred dollars showed up, like nothing quite that neat and clean, but certainly moments where I thought, um, this thing is not possible or I can't get through this. And then I was able to, um, But then, as soon as the next time comes around, where I don't think I can do Mm -hmm. it, you
0: you forget, and I can't. Mm -hmm. I
1: forget that God meets you right at the end of what you're capable of sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I don't. When I read the story, there are certain parts of Moses I can I can uh, maybe connect to murdering somebody, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or at least that feeling. You know, like he is kind of impulsive. He's he's kind of unsure of things. Um, He. He can only kind of follow the one step in front of him. That's a part of his story, I think. But I certainly see myself in the people who are who are prone to forget things. Uh, so I want to do something. We do this every once in a while where we do like a meditative reading. Uh, I always find his Moses' mom's story to be very touching. So I want to just kind of finish with uh, a thing I wrote about. I think you say her name is Jacobed. I think that's how you say it. So. so this is Parting Seas with Jacobed. According to the math of the king, the world had enough of one kind of person, enough to say, if you were born with this kind of blood, running through this kind of skin, the eyes of this kind of mother, the smile of this kind of father, if you were born on that side of the river, your parents should just go ahead and throw you in. But when she made that kind of a person, when she cradled that kind of a person, nursed that kind of a person... When she called good, that kind of a person, she knew she had to hide that kind of a person. If she could love him for enough days, whisper enough words to bury the truth under his skin, to set his heart to the beat of hers. Maybe the river would not sink him, but carry him. She cannot yet see that angels will rise from the fire. A serpent will strike from the staff. Plagues will fall from the sky and salvation will pass by her kind. She does not yet know how a king can fall from a throne or how a sea can rise to become a road for weary and battered feet. All she knows is this wrenching, the feel of this water on her hands like poison. She hopes... She can make him free, even while her own life is shackled to the mother she imagined she would get to be.